the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Is it Tuesday? Insert Taco Tuesday yes. sound here. Yes, it is. Glad to have you guys here with me tonight. 888-344-1170. we got a jam-packed show, but if you've got a chance to give us a ringy-dingy, we'll squeeze you in tonight. We've got a couple of great guests for you. First time on the Andrea K. Show coming up, we've got Jeremy Murphy, former VP of Communications at CBS. Um, he's going to be here to answer the question, has the media gotten too emotionally involved in the Ukraine conflict? I think that that question kind of answers itself, but I'm interested to get his perspective. Speaking of perspective, there's a perspective nobody seems to be wanting to talk about in, in terms of a certain border at the at the southern part of the United States. And we're going to have Todd Benzman from the, uh, the Center for Immigration Studies is going to be here to report on not just what's happening at the border with the caravans and the cartels coming across and the usual suspects, but the Ukrainian immigrants coming across. Of course, day, today was a big day. Out in D.C., in fact, it, the hearings, the confirmation hearings may be continuing. It was as I as I headed into the studio tonight for Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, so it, it was absolutely jaw dropping, some of the stuff. And I don't have time to get into all of it tonight. We're get, we've got a couple of key clips that my man Skins pulled for you guys to hear later on in the show that we think kind of encapsulate uh, kind of, uh, kind of what went down today uh, at SCOTUS. Um, but before we get into any of that, um, we've got a shocking revelation that's shocking many people. We've known for a while what the end game was in terms of globally and the globalist and the elitist and the Marxist here in our country. But to hear it out of the mouth of Joe Biden today, uh, last night actually, and we're going to get into it more tonight. Um, uh, you know, really has to be the opening story tonight. Before I get into that, though, I got to bring in my man, my brother, DJ Potato Skins. And I'd like to say now that I'm getting paid exactly the same as DJ, DJ Potato, Potato Skins. Skins. DJ Potato Skins. Skins did last year. It's funny because it's true. I wish we had a funny show, but uh, it's going to get deep tonight. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I've been, I, I got a nasty email from somebody last night who said that I was all in with, you know, my, was, she was shocked to hear that my full support of Putin, um, because I questioned what's going on in Ukraine. And I've been saying from the beginning that it did not, did not pass the smell test of what was going on, that it was clear the Biden administration had. So it's put, not about backing Putin. N- no, it's not. It's not. And, and to say that if you question Zelensky or if you question whether or not the United States should be involved or if you're questioning why the Biden administration administration obviously encouraged and wanted that invasion to say that it, that it means that you are in full support of Putin or Putinoid as Mark Levin, formerly the great one, is asserting is the equivalent of telling people that if they're against the mask and the shot mandates that they want people to die. That kind of libtard tactic doesn't get over on me. And you want to know why? Because I go, I, I, I'm, I've, I've got enough intellectual honesty and an intellectual curiosity to go past what is being spoon fed to me by Fox News, 
with their phony headlines surrounding Ukraine by CNN or anybody else. I think for myself, and I'm thinking for myself with Ukraine and Russia, just like I thought for myself with COVID and was the only person that I knew in my circle that was against the shutdowns and the lockdowns. So let me fast forward. I've been on record questioning, knowing that the end game of Russia and Ukraine was far more than what they were telling us. And let me, uh, and, and on last night's show, I actually said, I want to come in tonight and give you guys the 10 reasons why Ukraine Russia sets up the great reset and then Skins finds this clip. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946, and uh, since then we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway. So anyway, that's what it's about. That's Do you what need any more clarity? That's what it's about. And it was not. And this is even actually at the top of the judge drudge report today, which is used to be conservative and is now far left. And that was not a mistake. It was not a, a you know, a flip of the a flip of the lips. The words, there's a new world order coming and we are going to lead it was not a coincidence, nor was it by accident. They're just not hiding it anymore. No. And it's interesting him talking about 60 million people, actually about 100 million people to 200 million people have died in the course of the totalitarianism, authoritarianism, Marxism, communism, fascism, any of your isms. And you know what is involved in the new world order? All of those same isms. But let me get into why, and and this explains why the Biden administration, the first thing he did when he took, uh, he wants to be the leader in the Great Reset, wants to be the leader in the New World Order. Well, doesn't that explain why his first order of business was to shut down the Keystone Pipeline and pave the way for Putin to, to make money off of gas and oil? Day one. Day one. It explains why on, a, on his hundredth day in office in his press conference, when asked about whether or not Russia was going to invade, he said, well, he has to. He's got to do something. And the Ukraine, and Ukraine came out the next day. I think it was Zelensky who said, he, what are you talking about, man? He doesn't have to invade. Why are you encouraging him? Let me give you the 10 signs. And this comes from uh, the burningplatform.com. I don't even know who these people are. Skins found it. But you know what? It's dead on. And I'm not going to have time to go into in-depth on each of the 10 points. I'm hoping that my Andrea K. Show listeners, those of you who join me in the ability to look past the narrative that's being shoved down your throat, being willing to think for yourself and apply critical thinking, will go to theburningplatform.com, 10 signs the war in Ukraine is part of the Great Reset, and actually read the article in its entirety. It starts out by saying, while the pandemic acclimatized the world to lockdowns, normalized the acceptance of experimental medications, uh, precipitated the greatest transfer of wealth to corporations by decimating SMEs and adjusted the muscle memory of workforce operations in preparation for a cybernetic future, an additional vector was prepared to accelerate the economic collapse before nations could, quote, build back better. 
I present below several ways in which the current conflict between Russia and Ukraine is the next catalyst for the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda, facilitated by an interconnected web of global stakeholders and a diffuse network of public-private partnerships. Number one, the war between Russia and Ukraine is already causing unprecedented disruption to global supply chains, exacerbating fuel shortages, and inducing chronic levels of inflation. Joe Biden started that on day one. They knew going into May that they, they that the inflation was already at 40-year levels, and they didn't do anything to stop it. And they knew that Russia was already beginning to amass troops at the border. Another recession will compound global resource thirst, narrow the scope for self-sufficiency, and significantly increase dependence on government subsidies. This may well be a prelude to the introduction of a universal basic income, leading to a highly stratified neo-feudal order. Therefore, the World Economic Forum's ominous prediction that we will, quote, own nothing and be happy by 2030 seems to be unfolding with horrifying rapidity. Number two, the war's economic fallout will lead to a dramatic downsizing of the global workforce in a variety of different ways. I mean, you know, um, there's not time for me to get into it, but there is um, through technocracy, through robots, through smart software, um, there even wholesale automation of even white collar jobs. And this is by design. Um, the combined threat of pandemics and wars means the labor force is on the brink of an unprecedented reshuffle with technology reshaping logistics, uh, with threatening hundreds of millions of blue and white collar jobs resulting in the greatest and fast and fastest displacement of jobs in history, um, which will result in massive job losses and, you know, et cetera. So in other words, this is going to take an already difficult labor situation and economic situation from the pandemic and make it worse. Number three, the war has significantly reduced Europe's reliance on the Russian energy sector and reinforced the centrality of the UN's sustainable development goals and net zero emissions, which lies at the heart of the Great Reset. That's why you've got Buttigieg and Kamala coming out and saying, go out and buy that electric vehicle. That's your solution. Number four, food shortages created by the war. Well, offer a major boon to the synthetic biology industry as the convergence of digital technologies with material science and, and biology will radically transform the agricultural sector and encourage the adoption of plant-based and lab-grown alternatives on a global scale. We already have a 50,000 square foot facility here in California making bio labs, uh, bio, biological, no. What They're is coming it? after your bacon. Well, yeah. Number five, Russia's exclusion from SWIFT, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, foreshadows an economic reset, which will generate precisely the kind of blowback necessary for corralling large swaths of the global population into a technocratic control grid. The shift to crypto and will be address rehearsal to eventually expedite plans for programmable money overseen by a federal regulator. And we know that Biden's a nominee to the Fed wanted to do this, leading to greater accretion of power in the hands of powerful global technocracy and thus sealing our enslavement to financial institutions. Number six, this war marks a major inflection point in the globalist aspiration for a new international rules-based order anchored in Eurasia. The father of geopolitics, Halford McKinder, opined over a century ago that the rise of every global hegemon in the past 500 years has been possible because of dominance over Eurasia. Similarly, their decline has been associated with losing control over that pivotal landmass, and the United States has lost control. 
of that were no longer the superpower. Number seven was speculation mounting over the war's long-term impact on bilateral trade. Uh, which flows between China and Europe, the Russia-Ukraine conflict will catapult Israel, a leading advocate of the Great Reset, to even greater international prominence. Getting close to the end here. Where we're starting to talk now about number eight. It is now common knowledge that digital IDs are a central plank and the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda and are to be streamlined across industries, supply chains, and markets as a way of advancing, advancing the UN's 2030 Sustainable Development Goals, SDGs, and delivering individualized and integrated services and future smart cities. We have talked about the end game of, of the, the, uh, the technocracy. They want us all in little areas to where um, we're living in little, you know, little communities and everything is digital, digital currency digital IDs with a social credit score. And uh, that is a part of number eight. Um, this article goes on to say vaccine passports were initially the plan for this. That's hasn't come to pass yet. However, with the with the economy teetering on the brink of collapse, it's going to be be ushered in under the guise of um, rationing food. As we, with the supply chains tightening, um, this is how the government will be seizing control of our currency. Biden signed an executive order last week uh, for digital currency. So the article goes on to say that the Bank of England has already floated the prospect of programmable cash, which can only be spent on essential goods. Um, which an employer or government deems sensible. If food inflation continues on an upward trajectory with no signs of abating, governments may institute price controls in the form of rationing and ration entries could be logged on blockchain ledgers, digital IDs. So you see where we're going here. This is how they're going to get us. When things are shifting. Yeah. There's going to be a new world order out there. Number nine, Europe is directly in the line of fire once a hybrid war between NATO and the uh, Sino uh, Russia axis is underway. Running out of time here before we have to get to to our break here. And number ten, the economic implications of this war will be so disastrous. The governments and the public sector will require require a significant injection of private capital to address the financing shortfall. And ultimately, what that means is unelected bureaucrats and corporations, all under this SDG. Uh, will be in control uh, and partnering with the government in control of our lives. This is a post-election America and the new world order with everybody under global control. So I know I had to rush through all 10, but I felt like it was important. Check out the article article yourself. It's an interesting read and it's scary stuff. Well, and it's important that you get to understand what's in depth of this. This is not conspiracy. This is something that's been planned for a while. And that's ultimately what this Ukraine-Russian situation's about. And I don't know how we stop it at this point. That's a conversation for another day. We're going to take a break. We come back. Jeremy Murphy, former vice president of communications at CBS, will be here. The Andrea K. Show, strictly adhering to and preserving our First Amendment. Follow Andrea on OurFreeNation.org. Just search Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K. telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K. Show, on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Super glad to have you guys here with me. And I tell you what, I'm glad to transition into some snark. 
and talk about something, uh, you know, a little bit uh, more interesting uh, than Joe Biden. Um, former vice president of communications at CBS is a guy, you know, isn't it interesting? You know, we know that we know the big faces at different media outlets, but we don't necessarily always know who's behind the scenes over there. And there's a guy named Jeremy Murphy who you might not have heard about, who has actually written a book about his time dealing with all the media types. And he's and the book he's written about it is called... <laughs> <laughs> F off, Chloe. <laughs> and he joins me now to talk about his book and also talk about the media's uh, response to the Ukraine conflict. And I'm glad to have you here with me tonight, Jeremy Murphy. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for making me laugh right off the bat, because I sure need a laugh these days. And I'm happy to have on I anybody. Yeah. And I'm glad to have on anybody who's who's got a tell all out there talking about these little entitled millennials and, quote, obnoxious clients, et cetera. And, and you actually even have a chat named Shampers, right? So um, glad to have you here with me tonight. I'm happy to be here. All right. So before we get into your book, which I'm really curious about, and I'm hoping, by the way, that you've got some, you know, at least one story that you can tell us that, you know, that that about somebody that, you know, we might know and give us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And give us some. It'll take an hour, but. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing some good snark on somebody we would know. I got to get your perspective on how you think the media is covering this whole Ukraine thing. I mean, here's how I look at it. I see a headline from Fox News with a picture of Putin that some model who's been uh, dismembered and left in a, in a suitcase um, was, you know, a critic of Putin, clearly trying to mislead us that this woman had been killed by Putin when it was her boyfriend who did it. And it's like it should be on an episode of Dateline NBC. Yeah, I mean, Putin is kind of like the, 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 the great villain now. Um, and by the way, he's not a good guy. So, um, you know, my. You know, we could all beat up on the media, and God knows there's enough to beat up uh, on them about. But, you know, a lot of these guys are putting themselves in the line of fire uh, to tell us what's going on. And so I always give them the benefit of the doubt because, you know, you can't trust what's coming from certainly not the Russian government and certainly not ours. So where do we get our news? Um, and what I think is that the visuals are compelling enough. Like, you could see what's going on without someone pontificating or someone spinning or someone giving their uh, perspective on it. I mean, media is such a visual thing. And as long as the content coming out of Ukraine is, is this heartbreaking and, and mm-hmm. compelling, it's not going to stop. I mean, this is a story that it gets worse by the day. Um, and, you know, media, you know what, uh, beat up on them about a lot of stuff but on this. I think they're doing their job. Well, except for the fact that I'm, you know, and, and I reported last night on an article that I can't remember who did it. Um, it was Revolver, you know, busting Hannity called the Hannity Trap that, you know, a lot of the same beating the drums for war, the war drums that led us into Iraq in a 20 year failed, mm-hmm. you know, failed war in Afghanistan. You know, we got nothing out of Afghanistan and it cost us trillions of dollars. We left $80 $80 billion worth of equipment and lost 13 military 
very unnecessarily at Bagram, right? So it's like, you know, I, what bothers me is that this beating the drum to get us into World War Three and possibly a nuclear, you know, situation with Russia, it just seems, you know, um, you know, to be irresponsible and to feed some other agenda. And I already talked about that, what I think that agenda is about, you know, in the open of the show. But it's just interesting talking to somebody that, you know, was behind the scenes for so long. So let's get into something juicy, Jeremy Murphy. Give okay. me give me a little story about somebody, something in your book that that, that uh, we might read about and find particularly interesting. And hopefully you're going to tell me about somebody that we might know. Oh, boy. Well, so the book is, uh, it's a humor book about, you know, the cultural divide between, you know, this woke, very entitled, very empowered uh, Gen Zers and a little uh, uh, millennials. Millennials are actually, uh, you know, I could deal with them now because Gen Zers are even worse. Um, but they're very woke. They're very, um, you know, they, they, they have their opinions and they feel like if you don't agree with them, mm-hmm. you, you should be fired or you should be canceled. And so the book is about the humor in that. Um, and there's a lot of humor. Um, and I call them the Chloe's because they all seem to be named Chloe. Um, <laughs> and, and one Chloe in particular, I had sent a, a, a very, uh, I, I thought it was a very good email to a group of clients and someone named Chloe, who is, you know, um, an assistant replied back and she said, TLDR, LOL. And I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and I had to Google it and it means too long. Didn't read. Oh no. Wow. <laughs> right. Oh so man. Said, okay. I could get really angry or I could, this is, this is a great time. Like this, Chloe is my new book. Yeah. And my initial reaction was <laughs> F off Chloe. And I'm like, that's my book title. Well, I love it. And you know what? Somebody needs to be telling, calling these, you know, we're in a culture war right now and we cannot yeah. let the Chloe's of the world, because that's what we're battling, right? And, and you know, yeah. and, and the Chloe's all started, in my opinion, back when everybody had to get, everybody had to get a blue, you know, a, 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 a winner's ribbon, right? Um, you know, a, you know, participation oh, yeah. trophies. That's where this started. And, you know, we, you know, back when, I, I don't even remember when it was, we started having crying rooms at colleges and, yep. you know, snowflakes and, you know, nobody's allowed, you know, anti-bullying. I mean, you know, who, who wasn't made better when they were growing up having to deal with a little bullying in their life, right? And now the Chloe's are doing the bullying and we got to stand up to the Chloe's, these snowflakes in our society, because I mean, it's actually, and I'm glad you're telling the story with humor, but it's actually, uh, it's a serious story. It, it's a serious topic, isn't it? Well, yeah. And you know, the, the, so there, the Chloe's it came about by three, three things. One, social media. They grew up on social media where they would say something and, and there was an audience and they would get comments and, and likes and followers and shares. And so all of a sudden they say, oh, whatever I say has to be immortalized, has to be important. So now they have the sense of entitlement like, oh, my word goes. Then their parents like them too much. Mm-hmm. Like my mom loved me. My dad loved me, but they didn't want to be my friend. Right <laughs> now, these yeah. people, they, they, they want to be friends with their parents and their friends want to be uh, their, their, their parents want to be friends with them. That's that's new. And then the third is, you know, the political climate of, you know, um, you know, we're so exposed to, uh, you know, BLM and, and, and COVID and and. There's so much, uh, it's, it's such a, um, a charged environment and young people are naturally, um, 
idealistic and, you know, they want to fight the world and they want to like justice. So they're coming into the workforce, you know, thinking that anything they say, you know, should, you know, have anything they feel should have a parade. Oh yeah. 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 Loved way too much. Well, yeah, and this and this were my and now I'm flashing on you know everybody spending fifty thousand dollars on the kids for first birthday, right? You know, serving yep. sushi, and yep. you know, w- you know when really, I mean, it's it's this is this is such a, a, an aspect of our culture that is just a, ever, ever treating every kid like it's you know sh- you know Northwest you know Kardashians kid, and every mm-hmm. kid and every kid feeling like they should have a life of these Kardashian kids when it's like you know in my generation you know shut up uh, you know and and go wash the car out in the driveway go mow the lawn right you know i'm only going to listen to you yeah i'm only going to sing hear you listen listen to you sing over the rainbow one more time before i'm going to tell you go to do your chores i mean the solution is here's the thing they're they're entering the workforce okay um the workforce is brutal uh companies need to make money right it's 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 dollars and cents um once companies realize that this is all bs um it's over like the Chloe's of the world are going to be on the employment line because um, this is not sustainable. You cannot come no. into a company and demand they follow your rules. Okay. Like you pay your dues. Exactly. Um, and you can change from within, but you can't expect people to conform. To, uh, I feel this way. So everybody should No. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The sense of in time, you're going into the workplace thinking that they're going to be, you know, that they're going to be treated like they're, they're, you know, Chicago West Kardashian, you know, Kim Kardashian's kid. Listen, Jeremy, I wish I had more time with you. I'm loving, loving, loving this book and I can't wait to read it. It's F off Chloe. Where can people get it? It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Uh, Just type uh, Google F off Chloe. And, you know, HR might arrest you, but you'll see Amazon. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Thanks for the laughs. And I can't wait to read that book. All right. Y'all stay tuned. Thank you so much. Y'all stay tuned. We've got Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies, coming up. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Facebook at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. And connect with her on OurFreeNation.org. Bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. At the top of the show, I went through an article that said the 10... Uh, we played the clip of Joe Biden talking about it's time for uh, the New World Order. And I, and I read uh, the ten, 10 signs, the war in Ukraine is part of the Great Reset which is a part of the New World Order. And we had some calls asking, uh, again, where to read that article. It is at theburningplatform.com. Ten signs the war in Ukraine is part of the Great Reset. Uh, shifting gears now, I, I invited Todd Benzman to be on the show tonight. He's been on before. You know, he's an immigration es- expert from the Center of Immigration Studies. Um, and he joins me now to talk about the border we need to be focused on, and that's the southern border of the United States. Hey, Todd Benzman, Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Yeah. You know, um, we actually both were. I I invited you on tonight because I saw you on my girl, Dr. Gina's show talking about the border and Ukrainian immigrants. And we actually both were on her show again today. Um, And I found it interesting um, what you shared on uh, G's show about Ukrainians at the border. And you actually took a, a controversial position on that. Please explain. 
Well, yeah, I did take a little bit of heat for that, but I uh, stand by it. The issue is we have a lot of Ukrainians coming to the southern border now from the war. There were refugees, and they are crossing the border and asking for asylum. And the administration agreed to accept them on humanitarian parole and let them in. Initially, they blocked them under Title 42, which is the pandemic control uh, measure from Donald Trump, and they let them in. And my argument was that if we have a run on the border from Ukrainians, you know, in the thousands, that's not good for the country because our border is in such chaos and disarray and is so swamped and in such historic crisis mode and so is the asylum system that they're joining, that we should not be doing anything at all to add to it. And I say that with the proviso that Ukrainians have open invitations for three-year residencies in 27 European Union countries, the best countries in the world, if you're a refugee or an asylum seeker, to go live in. Uh, so that they would bypass those countries uh, to come to our southern border illegally and get in in this other way when we're under stress, I think is uh, you know not advisable. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be deterring and dissuading Ukrainians from coming here because they have great other alternatives. It's well, yeah, like this is yeah, yeah. You mentioned so. you mentioned that um, you know there's 27 countries that have. I mean, and these are countries that the left here has been touting. You know, uh, these these socialist Scandinavian countries. Why would anybody in the United States even want them to come here when they can go to the great you know socialist experiments happening over there, right? So you know, I have to wonder if they're not encouraged to come here. And I guess initially the Biden administration was turning them away, but you know when I saw this, I thought, why wouldn't the Biden administration be encouraging them? Who's paying for these poor people to get on a plane and come through Mexico, which is, I think, how they're getting here, by the way. They're getting visas, you know, to come into Mexico and coming that way. And then I was thinking, well, I mean, wasn't that part of the reason why the Biden administration, you know, did the coordinated chaos in the in leaving Afghanistan because it provided them 150,000 new voters brought here as refugees? This is a way for them to expand the dependency class. I mean, Ukraine is a very poor country. Um, it is not they are not a people that are, are used to a system here of opportunity. It's, you know, and, you know, if they come here poor and without able to speak the language, they're going to be dependent. It's a way for the Democrats to increase their dependency class. Well, and I respect that argument. I, I just feel like the the border, I spent a lot of time down there in the last year and I just feel like it just can't withstand anything more. And we're about to go into a period of, of even worse crisis, I believe, because the, the administration is about to do away with Title 42, mm-hmm. which has been the last thing that we had to kind of, you know, slow the flow a little bit, even though we're in the greatest mass migration crisis in American history in terms of number and everything else, but it's about to get really bad when they eliminate Title 42. And it, you know, I get accused, uh, you know, like, oh, you just, you don't want people to come to the uh, to the border because they're black and brown. 
but I'm an equal opportunity, uh, you know, restrictionist at the border. Yeah. If you're white and Christian and coming to the border right now, I don't want you either. It's just right. It's we just can't that. sustain it. We cannot sustain. We're thirty trillion dollars in debt. And and we've got it here in, in California right now are proposing unemployment. This news today. This is from uh, a, a friend of ours, another radio uh, guy here in San Diego, called called DeMaio. California Democrats are proposing unemployment benefits for illegal immigrants. You know, I mean, the California taxpayers we're paying seven, what six seven dollars a gallon of gas. We've got food shortages and the gas the gas skyrocketing is costing causing the cost of everything else to go up. People can't take care of their own kids, and this influx of illegals coming across the border is where our backs are already breaking economically in this country. And, you know, Bloomberg opinion yesterday comes out yesterday telling people to eat lentils instead of meat and put your dog down if it's sick. I mean, you know, I mean, it's we cannot sustain this. It must stop Todd Benzman. Well, I and, you know, I, the thing is, is, is that you cannot cede a, a sovereign nation should not cede control over its border duty. Uh, just because, to to illegals from foreign countries that it's not up to them uh, to just come in here when they want. And when we say no to just do it anyway, uh, this is a sovereign nation. We have laws about the border who can come in and to just, you know, lay down for everybody who crosses the border is kind of a recipe for a lot of social problems for, well, for us. Well, it's a, it's it's ultimately leads to the destruction of a nation because if you have no border, you have no nation. And, we, you know, the idea of, of our founders is that you would come to this country legally and assimilate into our culture. Now we've got people breaking and entering. They're not, they can't even speak the language, let alone contribute to us economically. And now we've got Democrats wanting them to vote. We have an invasion going on in our southern border. We have hundreds of thousands of people dying from fentanyl we this is a crisis that's being distracted from with with our congress giving standing ovations to Zelensky. my heart aches for the ukrainian people but we don't help we we this is the country that has provided the greatest humanitarian aid and military aid in the world since its inception and if it's destroyed by an invasion at our southern border then then we're not able to help anybody long term final thoughts todd benzman well, I, I certainly sympathize with the Ukrainian people. I think that they are victims here. I think it's pretty clear cut that they are victims here. But, you know, when it's time for and if they had nowhere else to go, then I would advocate that we open up our refugee resettlement program to them where where we ask for them to apply there in Poland or Hungary or wherever they're hanging out. And then we have the option to vet them and bring them in in our good time legally. But to come to the border when you have 27 other fantastic options is absurd. You are shopping for the best country to go live in and uh, you know, we're not down with that. We can't no, we're not. We, no, our asylum program is supposed to be you go to the nearest country available to you and you don't bum rush our border. Thank That's you for right. being here, Todd Benzman. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And y'all stay tuned because we come back. We're going to take a little visit to the nomination hearings today for Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Bringing you 21st century common sense. It's the Andrea K. Show. Connect with the show at OurFreeNation.org. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K. on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. 
We've pulled, well, Skin's pulled uh, two clips that we think um, really kind of display and, and exemplify the issues with this nominee. I said last night that she wasn't really picked because she was black, that her skin color was providing cover for her far left Marxist agenda and that she had no judicial philosophy because her philosophy is all about CRT and uh, sympathizing with the worst of our society, and that is pedophiles. We're going to begin with Senator Cruz grilling her on CRT. Related to the 1619 Project, which I believe is is deeply inaccurate and misleading, um, 1619 Project is closely intertwined with a movement that is called critical race theory. Uh, Critical race theory, as you know, originated at your and my alma mater at the the Harvard Law School. Uh, In your understanding, what, what does critical race theory mean? What is it? Senator, my understanding is that critical race theory is, um, it is an academic theory that is about the ways in which uh, race interacts with um, various institutions. It doesn't come up in my work as a judge. It's never something that I've uh, studied or relied on, and it wouldn't be something that I would rely on if I was on the Supreme Court. So critical race theory, as you know, has its origins in the critical legal studies movement, which also came from Harvard Law School from a number of critical legal studies professors, crits as they were known when we were in law school, uh, who are explicitly Marxists. And they find their origins in Marxism, although critical legal studies frames society as a fundamental battle between socioeconomic classes, critical race theory frames all of society as a fundamental and intractable battle uh, between between the races. It views every conflict as, as a racial conflict. Um, do you think that's an accurate way of viewing society in the world we live in? Senator, I don't think so. Um, but I've never studied critical race theory and I've never used it. It doesn't come up in the work that I do as a judge. So, so with respect, I, I find that a curious statement uh, because... Um, you gave a speech in April of 2015 uh, at the University of Chicago in which you described the job you do as a judge, and you said sentencing is just plain interesting because it melds together myriad types of law, criminal law, and, of course, constitutional law, critical race theory. So you described in a speech to a law school what you were doing as critical race theory. Uh, And so I guess I would ask, what did you mean by that when you gave that speech? With respect, Senator... Um, the quote that you are mentioning there um, was about sentencing policy. It was not about sentencing. Um, I was talking about the policy uh, determinations of bodies like the Sentencing Commission when they look at a laundry list of various academic subjects as they consider what the policy should be. Okay, but Critical you, but you race- were vice chair of the sentencing commission. Yeah, I got to so- cut it there. I, I, I can't even stand to listen to her. By the way, uh, you know, I, I found it shocking the contrast between her and Amy Coney Barrett, who I was not a fan of. There is nobody who could listen to this woman who thinks that she is any kind of intellectual giant. Okay, she is nothing but a shill for the far left. And she absolutely disgusts me and has nothing to do with her appearance. What a liar. She's quoted... 
that she includes that sentencing includes constitutional law and what CRT. And then she and then then her comeback is that it was not part of my work. You just mentioned it as part of sentencing. What's your job? It's sentencing. I can't stand a liar. At least if you're going to be a liar, be better at it. You are. And then she says it's not something I've studied. So you're shilling for for CRT then you're talking about CRT when you haven't even studied it. That that just makes you even worse to me. I'd rather you be a scholar in CRT than be somebody talking about including CRT in sentencing, which is your job, and you don't even know anything about it. This is an outrage. Play the next clip. The next clip, I got to move off on this CRT thing. I'm glad Senator Cruz, he was quite frankly too nice to her. Every one of them was too nice to her today. Far too nice. Particularly when it comes to the sentencing leniency that she gave pedophiles and went so far as to excuse them and even worse than that apologized this is the clip from holly well let's keep talking about about this case you also said to to this individual who is an adult tried as an adult 18 years old you also said to him besides saying that you thought his victims were his peers you also said there's no reason to think that you are a pedophile And then you went on to say, again, that's another reason why you weren't going to give him. You're only going to give him three months because you would have judged that he wasn't a pedophile. And then you said, and this is something I I really need your help understanding. Then you apologized to him. And I, I just have to tell you, I can't quite figure this out. You said to him, this is a truly difficult situation. I appreciate that your family's in the audience. I feel so sorry for them and for you and for the anguish. This has caused all of you. I feel terrible about the collateral consequences of this conviction. And then you go on to say sex offenders are truly shunned in our society. I'm just trying to figure out, Judge, is he the victim here or the victims the victims? You're saying that you are you're apologizing to him. You're saying you're sorry for the anguish this has caused him. There was a victim impact statement in this case. It didn't get read into the record, but it was there. I've described the the videos that we have. You say earlier in the case, you talk about how heinous these crimes are, and you describe them to your credit. You describe how heinous it is to your credit. Stop there. Stop there. How dare he? uh, This is where Holly lost me. Help me to understand. To your credit, you describe these as heinous. To your credit, this woman deserves no credit for anything. This is absolutely depraved and despicable and demonic to have a woman up there who in court apologized to a pedophile who said, you're not a pedophile. That's not somebody who, who's, who's treating these crimes as egregious. Apologize to him for the conviction. Express sympathy to the, the only collateral damage was to his family. The, the impact statement wasn't even read in court. This woman has no business being anywhere near any bench, let alone the Supreme Court. And there, and Dick Durbin was hiding all the sentencing records on her. Let me tell you, she was not nominated because she is the first black woman to, to sit on the bench. The black is about a cover of the ideology that she shares. And it's one that is despicable. It's it, There's a war against the children in this country. And they want her on the bench to further that. See you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific time. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.